Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us today. We're, this is a financial program. Both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors. Um, of course, many of you have been listening for a while, and you kind of know what we do, but we are practicing advisors, been practicing advisors for roughly 30 years each, and um, still enjoy the industry, obviously, and we enjoy being your financial advisor on the air. So whether you listen to us through terrestrial radio or podcast or whatever, we're glad you are part of the of our program. So it's um, – I spent – some time yesterday on the phone with some of my clients, just kind of chatting. And you have a handful of clients. That's, anymore, that's right? Right. right. That's right. I mean, the, the, the firm has thousands. I mean, of every people. once in a while I had a friend reach out in the, and like, like, here's the challenge. Like, I don't even know how to use most of the current software, like in the office. Right. I mean, I would, and I'm on the road. So, well, he's, Pre-pandemic causing the road so much, and I'm going to be there. But, but, but I, yeah, I have a handful of clients that yeah. I still work with that I, I really enjoy the interaction with them. And in talking with them just yesterday, um, we normally would meet in person, uh, <laughs> but I was talking on the phone. I just realized how personal financial planning is. Just how really I – I talked to four couples. Almost no one shares their income, their net worth. I mean – People will talk about their sexual lives more than they'll talk about their so not only that finances. So we, I'll, I'll give you a breakdown of four couples. One, uh, they had gotten married five six years ago in their early eighties, just kind of struggling through life. Uh, one just uh, had lost her husband a couple years ago. The other had cancer. Uh, another couple that you can the, tell you've been doing gentleman. this thirty years. Correct. The gentleman had <laughs> cancer. These are people you helped to retire 25 years ago or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, and they're on all different kind of phases of, of money. They're all comfortable. Some of them are much more comfortable than the others. But but it's funny. The ones that think they're uncomfortable are actually the ones that are much more comfortable and vice versa. That's the funny thing about money. Right? Show me someone that doesn't care about money and I'll show you someone that doesn't have any. Right? So. But they, and Solomon said, whoever loves money never has money enough. There you There's go. Like that, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like this. It's a very strange thing. It's a it? strange thing. But the reason I bring that up is financial planning isn't investment management. Investment management is part of financial planning. It's not all it is. So in recent surveys, they asked people, what do you think your financial planner does? And over 50% said just investment management, which I thought was strange um, because it's it's all encompassing. It's how well, tax, there are, estate there planning. Are, but then there are some quote unquote financial advisors that are nothing more than asset managers. Yeah, good like point. Security selectors or whatever you want to good call point, them. I don't good even know. Good point. Good point. They used to be called stockbrokers. Now they're all financial advisors. Good. Excellent point. But the reason I bring that up is listen, we're, we're a financial planning show. We own an investment advisory firm that's emphasis is in financial planning. And so feel free to call with your situation. And when we answer someone else's question, we're not answering your question. We might be answering answering a similar question, but it's not your identical situation. So if you'd like to join the show, it's 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And I tell you, it's, with the financial markets, like volatility finally returned. It's funny because people ask me like uh, – we got some new lights in the studio. I'm just looking at like what kind of fancy hanging lights. Oh, now like you know de- what it's like decorative. I just looked over. Like, you know, excuse now, me, you, I'm, I'm dis- now you know what I'm it's distracted. like. Work- now you know what it's like working with Scott Hansen. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> no, it's a, let's just stay focused on the radio show for at least the next 50 minutes. But I mean, the, the, the market, uh, the mar- it has a over a long period of time, the returns are going to revert back to their mean, their averages, right? Stocks historically have averaged about six percentage points higher than the rate of inflation, six or seven percentage points over the last hundred years, based upon lots of different data. Right. So, and if inflation's averaged three percent, that's why a lot of people talk about this ten percent. Stocks have averaged about ten percent a year. So, when we have these periods of time when we have excess returns, the longer that goes on, the more kind of concerned I think starting. 
if it's eventually going to revert back to its mean, back to its average. If history is any guide. It's some. It's the only guide we have. That's right. <laughs> so it's the, <laughs> it truly. And, and so anyway, when you see pullbacks, sometimes people say, oh, man, it's been a bad, bad day in the market. And yeah, actually, it's a pretty good day in the market. Like, because no over one likes the seeing, long term. No one likes seeing their count balances go down. But I like, it's like, let's remember, that's the price that we pay to have those excess returns. If we don't, if we never have things that go down in value, let's just keep our cash. Everything in the. In the, in the and our nothing. Yes. But that's right. The, 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 the excess. Excess returns, risk-adjusted returns, are based upon volatility. That is the price you pay. That's the price you pay. Over time. And you have to learn how to get comfortable with that but, and not get too emotionally But, attached. you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. On this. Does this not remind you a little bit about the dot-com with all this Doge, Dogecoin? Doge? Dogecoin? Doggy Doge. coin? I don't know what it is. Doge. Doge. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. And Bitcoin were... Elon Musk can actually go on Saturday Night Live and affect the asset price of something that, by the way, um, is just created out of thin air. I read an article this morning about why Elon Musk uh, thinks that Bitcoin is bad for the environment because of the electricity. Yeah. And you said it. Well, I don't know if you I said don't it know on why, the radio show. I think so. I don't know why anyone's now talked about it. I read these articles where talk about the power companies can tell the houses that are trying to mine Bitcoin. And yeah. I'm like... Doesn't seem too environmentally sound. But wouldn't you think that um, you should that the less Bitcoin there is in a mine, the more uh, the harder it should be to actually extract that Bitcoin from the mine. Wh whatever this metaphorical mind is, yeah. mine. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's just a strange world. They but when you think the, the va here's what's when you the value of all cryptocurrencies excess of a trillion dollars today. So it, that's a lot of money, right? So you think about investors have bid up, put their faith in these digital coins to the point that the value of, of them today are greater than a trillion dollars. Which created from, so I said to my 20-year-old son yesterday, I said, and he trades cryptos. He, he was telling me, you know, I wish I would have stayed longer in Dogecoin. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, That's always a great investment. I wish I would have. I, I should have. I almost did. And I just, and I said, you know, you kind of remind me a little bit when you were in the uh, third grade when you were trading Pokemon cards. And he said, Dad, the Beanie Babies and Pokemon cards, there's not a lot of difference between that no. and cryptocurrencies. I said, at least with a Pokemon card, you had something you could look at. And then I thought, well, those are the NFTs that have now come out with the uh, fungible. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the Beanie Babies, it reminds me of a time. This was 20-some years ago. Whatever, when were the Be Beanie Babies hot? Oh, I don't remember. 20-some years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. So we had a client come in. They had just retired. Basically, a lot of the process we go through, we do a financial plan, retirement plan, retired, the funds we're in. And we always like to have a separate meeting just to discuss investments, Make sure they have a good understanding of what's going on. Make sure they're comfortable with our approach. Answer any questions. So this couple came in. They sat down. They say, hey, Scott, we, we have very little time. Uh, we, we're going to have to get out of here about five minutes because we are going to a Beanie Baby beanie baby show or whatever it was, right? Some exchange Beanie Beanie. And I look at him and I think, I thought. It's your life savings. <laughs> it's your life savings, right? And. If you don't understand what's going on, you're going to, there's a good chance you're going to make poor choices in the for, in the future, poor decisions. Well, that there was a degree of trust, obviously. In, well, I don't in want that much trust. Well, that's a good point, right? Yeah. Just remind also a time later years ago, I told a lady that she was taking too much money out of her account. She says, "Oh, that's all right, Scott. I trust you to be able to get the higher returns to to keep the account alive." And I'm like, "If you want, trust me, trust me. What I'm telling you, you're spending too much money." Yeah, it's not magic. But anyway, back to this this. I just feel like it's kind of a dot com thing all over again with some of these things, like the Dogecoins and the NFTs and the, you know, it's kind of crazy. Well, you read all these stories about these people who have no experience of being investors. They start trading in these things. They develop these clubs. Yes. Not how you're going to, <clears throat> first of all, it's not how you're going to make wealth. It's not how you're going to preserve wealth. We can always find it's a the transfer story. of wealth. We can always find the story where it works out for somebody, but there's lots of stories where it doesn't work yeah. out. And unfortunately, building wealth's not easy. It's discipline, savings. It's typically made in your career, whether you're really good at your craft and the marketplace gives you a high wage or you have a business. That's where people make um, their wealth. 
and they use the financial markets to store their wealth and get a somewhat of a return to help them with their future income. Well put. I mean, that's really what it is. That's well Because markets go through cycles, and we're going to have a cycle sometime in the future. I mean, look, the last 25 years, we've had uh, two times when the market fell by 50%. There's probably a good time in the next 25 years, we're going to have another couple of periods where the market falls by 20%. You would expect that. And we should plan for that. Yes. So who knows where the market's going to go over the next few months. Maybe it'll continue to march higher, and there'll be new um, SPACs worth billions of dollars. Which is a... Special purpose acquisition. But to put it in perspective, so the SPACs have raised about $100 billion, a tenth of the value of the cryptocurrency. Which is crazy. <laughs> right? And we hear, and we kind of you look at what's going on in some But they these... didn't raise all that money with crypto That's true. either. That's true. Right? So it just got it's bid just bid to it, that. Yeah. It could be mm. a, less than a tenth of that. Because what sets the price of the cryptocurrency is greater the last fool. trade. The greater fool. Whoever. Yeah. It's the last, yeah. The Goes last trade. Was up that fast? Yeah, and sometimes you see people will put some stop loss orders. Well, I'll sell if it drops to this price. But something can fall from $100, and the next trade can be $10. Yeah, and the stop loss, by the way, in any asset is when you trigger the price. It's not you're going, what That's you're right. going to get for you're it. Not, there's no guarantee on that. Anyway, let's uh, 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of the program. Let's talk here with Ray. Ray, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys. Um, thanks for taking my call. I'm uh, really excited to chat with you. Uh, my basic question is, how do you suggest that I can tell when I have enough uh, for retirement or that I could retire? Uh, I'm 57. I always thought it would be cool to retire in my 50s. Uh, my <laughs> wife is 55. Um, uh, you know, I, you can't take it with you, right? Uh, so, so I feel like, you know, whatever years I have now, statistically going to be better than the ones, you know, five years from now. So, you know, why, how, so, how can I tell when I can stop coming to work? We'll walk you through a, uh, a, a quick uh, and dirty. And actually, there's actually a lot of studies that people are like the happiest in sometimes their seventies, but um, I think you've got more than five years. of So good, good but what, what I, w- what I will do is, re- is tell you to go to our website and look at anything that says personal decision points or the seven personal decision points for retirement transition. It is a process that we actually have designed in order to determine whether you have enough money for retirement. Because there's a lot of rule of thumbs out there. You need 80% of your pre-retirement income. Some say you need 90 I've seen some, you need 110% of your pre-retirement income. But I can walk you through something quick and dirty. And by the way, you know, it, you think long and hard about retirement before you retire about your lifestyle, because that's probably more important than anything and how you're going to fill the day. So how much are you making now? Did you both you and your spouse work? Yeah, we both work. We're, um, we're close to 200,000 and, and that's the hard part, right? We're literally at the pinnacle mm-hmm. of our money making yes. capabilities yep. of, our, of our life. Imagine your yeah. kids are grown yeah. and gone or pretty much self-dependent all, all grown and gone yeah yeah uh, all a knock on wood self-reliant uh you know yeah and ray what is your income i'm at about 160 and what's your spouse's income 40 because i'm quick at math right yeah <laughs> yeah um showing off got it and uh do you owe on your home we owe uh about 170 um, probably there's 300 in equity in it. So, okay. it's the, you know, we, yeah. How much money do you have put aside for retirement? So we have, um, rounding a little bit. We have about a million in an IR, uh, a 401k, and then another half a million in like, not, a, you know, it's in brokerage, it's in Roth, it's in okay. cash. And are you going um, to receive like a pension? No. No. And what was your income, say, five years ago? Have you been at this level most of your career, inflation adjusted? No, I mean, I would just say it's been steadily uh, ticking up, um, you know, uh, occasionally a good year. But it's, I mean, I've been, I think, highly compensated. And how much uh, do you save? For a while. How much did you guys um, save from we, last count? Well, last year was a weird year, but. <laughs> like in your 401ks, do you put the maximum? Uh, close to it. Okay. Close to it. And do you have any other assets? Uh, we have like one little rental that throws us uh, 500 a month in, in income. I, uh, so I just tell you quick and dirty. Um, you don't have enough money to retire comfortably. 
Well, not a, not to replace your standard of living. Not to replace the standard of living. So if you're okay. living on 100% of your after-tax and after-401k contributions income. Um, well, how much? I mean, are you saving quite a bit in your – so you're not maximizing your 401k. Are you, We're are, close to it. I would, I would say for the sake of this, Jan, we are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then are you – And I know how much I spend. I, I spend 100k a year. How much money do you have in the bank then? Uh, well, uh, you know, just in, in bank accounts or yeah. cash accounts. Yeah. Uh, probably one hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. So you spend you spend a hundred grand a year. Does that does that include what your mortgage payment is? It includes every single thing. Okay. All right. So he, here's what you may be able to retire, but there's a couple things I would actually walk through right away. Right. One is why do you have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the bank and one hundred and seventy thousand dollar mortgage on the house? Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I didn't want to take your whole show, but that that was the other thing. Is that sometimes we look at each other and say, "Well, why don't we just pay this thing would, off?" Right? Would you yeah. lend and interest rates like four? You wouldn't correct. You wouldn't lend the bank money at a quarter of a percent and borrow it back at four, and that's what no. you did. So here's what you yeah. may be close. You are on the edge. You most certainly can retire in the next few years. Most certainly retire in the next few years. Go to our website and and look at. The seven personal decision points, and quite frankly, you- we've got we've got on there. So we've got um, uh, guides on there. We've got webinars on there. It'll help. I mean, what we really need to figure out is you see, you spend a hundred thousand. Okay, so that's pretty good to know that. Like, if we can take care of the mortgage, now we need now we're maybe looking at eighty thousand. One right. and a half. One right. and a, so we have, and once we pay off the mortgage, let's call it one point three million. Right, and then if we're if we're yeah. living in a, on eighty thousand, right? How much money do I actually need in order to generate eighty thousand dollars? And the one point three million is not going to generate the eighty thousand between now and Social Security. Whenever Social Security starts, which is a whole different set of decisions, which makes it unlikely that you could retire today, but you most certainly, with a little bit of planning, could retire in two to five years, very, very comfortably. Mm. And the closer you get to Social Security, the easier it will be. The closer you get to zero debt, the easier it will be. So I would recommend you actually go to our website, all And then also, Ray, are you confident that you'll like quit and never work again? Yeah, I'm not confident about anything. (laughs) (laughs) I like the honesty. I mean, most of us, we we plan certain things in our life, and then life happens, and we end up in situations that aren't quite So you've done – I'm sorry, Scott. You've done great, though. You've done great. You just need to clean it up around the edges and then pick a real date and then plan to that in the future. So go to our website, and if you want – And it might be that – I mean, look, I've had – over the years, I've had people say – I just can't, I can't do the grind I'm in. I can't continue this career, this path I'm on. It's going to kill me. Uh, so I'm willing to have to sacrifice a little bit in standard of living to retire early. Right? I've had those discussions. To help. I've had others say I can't do what I'm doing anymore, but I'm happy to go do something else. I'm going to be. I'm. I, I actually don't want to do zero work. I'll do some consulting for a period of time. And then I've had others say, look, if I can't main, if I have don't have a High degree of probability that I can maintain my standard of living. I am not going to retire until that date. I never want to f- ever have to think about going back to work. And they're different. Everyone's got different thoughts on it. And a good financial advisor will actually have that discussion with you and do what if scenarios. What if we did this? What if we worked another two years? What if we retired today? What if we paid off this mortgage? What? Th- that's what a good financial plan does is plans for what ifs because nothing is certain. As you said earlier, nothing is certain, but the greater your confidence in the outcome, the, the more certain it becomes, but nothing's a hundred percent certain. Um, so that's yeah, why, I mean, and I think, sorry, I was just going to say, if you, if you have a, a good enough uh, runway, then you don't even worry. Like when the market goes down five or 10%, right. You're not, you're not like near the edge. Exactly. And, and then well, now you have the stress <clears throat> of, I'm not working. Yeah. Well, and part of that too, it, Ray, is just the way you have your portfolio allocated. I mean, uh, there's different ways to think about it, but typically let's, let's assume you've got at least five years of, of income that's not tied to the stock market. Let, right. Let's say, well, yeah. Markets have almost always recovered within five years. If you go back over history. So it gives you plenty of breathing room. So when you see the markets off 5%, 10%, 25%, 45%, when they go through those down times, 
you can say, oh, that's really painful. I don't like seeing my account balance go down. But you can say, I've got pretty good confidence that the world has is, is going to continue to spin. I have pretty comp- pretty much confidence that the markets are going to recover, and you you can ride out those ups and downs. Much easier to to ride out the ups and downs while you're working, right, and yeah. and saving than yeah. it is when you're retiring. <clears throat> So either that or hire a good quality financial planner and pay for a financial plan. Um, There's many firms out there that do just like we do. Although we think we're the best. (laughs) We think we're the best, but (laughs) how could you not? We might be biased. So appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks, Ray. Wish you you well. And and I even kind of – But Scott, before we leave, Ray, pay off that mortgage. I mean that's – Takes up 150 grand. He's got $500,000 in a brokerage yeah. account. I mean, the bank should be sending a little personal rate and thank you notes. There's like, a picture of Ray in the lobby. The bank. I remember years ago I had a client. They had a collateralized loan on their own cash. And they had a loan that had a higher interest rate than the money that they were paying in their CD this a long time ago. And I'm like, I've read about this, but I'd actually <laughs> never seen it. Like, why do you have this? They couldn't give me a good answer. Who in the bank thought of that? There was accolades all over the place for the bank there. It's like, <laughs> we're not actually going to borrow money from someone else. We're going to borrow it from our client and lend it back to exactly the same person at a higher interest rate. <laughs> right, and if they want to get at it, they actually have to pay down their mortgage. They're like, wow. Well, anyway. Finance is hard for a lot of people. It is not how a lot of people... I went to... I went to lunch with our marketing people a couple weeks ago, and I went to lunch with the finance people. Very different lunches. <laughs> Completely <laughs> different lunches, right? Right. So I have a, I have a foot in both. You have a foot in both worlds, so you, you can move between worlds, but just very, very different lunches. What they talked about, the conversations, how you know we sat there after for after lunch for about a half hour just catching up you know in a post pandemic world we're allowed to actually come back together and eat well and i think i mean so first of all there's people that struggle with just with finance and numbers people are intimidated by their finances intimidated by the financial markets but then there's also the fact that it's it, you it, it investing is is hard i mean it's it's not that formulaic and one could one could do all the planning in the world. They buy some investment, and it goes down in value the next day, and it makes no sense from a <laughs> from a, just a logical standpoint. You look at like why did this go down when or how could it? So I mean, sometimes like particularly younger engineers sometimes have a hard time when it comes to investments because they run these models. Like this is what's supposed to happen. How come it's but bridges fall down sometimes too. Yeah, but come on. Not but very that's, a very, that's not a very good analogy because if a bridge is designed properly, it won't come down. Which is a difference between an investment and a portfolio, a diversified portfolio. An investment, when I think about an investment, it is a single issue. It's an individual stock or an individual bond or an individual mutual fund. Am I thinking wrong? Versus a portfolio, a well-diversified portfolio has many parts to it. That that can still still go down. It's not going to collapse like a bridge. Could collapse in a bad storm. Okay, <laughs> that would be. That would not. A, I don't know if that's the best analogy, but we're trying here. Yeah, we're, I, we haven't had the bridge analogy in the past, and uh, we've been doing this a long time. I did. I I did. My wife and I celebrated uh, twenty nine years of marriage uh, a week and a half ago. Or so. Okay, congratulations. Thank you. Um, Twenty-seven good years. I don't know. I went to your wedding. I had to sit in the the reception. You had me at the yeah. very back of the room. I had my good friends up front. <laughs> I know, I didn't Someone have... has to be in the back. <laughs> I thought you would. I thought you were like a giver. You would understand. I actually did. I actually understood completely. <laughs> it wasn't that big of a wedding anyway? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> anyway, but um, we were married in the Bay Area, and so we were, we stayed a couple days in the Bay Area, and I. I went for a run across the Golden Gate Bridge, which I've done a handful of times in my life, and it's always fun. It's Speaking West of bridges. Coast, walking across that bridge, running across the bridge, riding your bike across the bridge. You can get these e-bikes now to make it even easier. Across the bridge. Just, I don't know why I brought Or that you up. could drive across the bridge. Or you can drive across. <laughs> or you can look at the bridge. <laughs> There's, anyway, we, can, we've, used, we've run this bridge analogy into the ground. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about, Scott, how people can subscribe to our weekend update. 
Um, so before every show, we get notes from our marketing department. And on the marketing notes, exactly what it says today <laughs> is consider signing up for our weekend update. We will email these articles to you every Saturday and you'll get them once a week. Um, and you can sign up at the bottom of our post. And I mean, all seriousness, it's, it's, it, we put a lot of time and energy into it. <clears throat> yeah. And there's usually two or three articles. They're topical and they tend to be around if they're not financial market reports. It's not like here's what happened in the stock market this week. Cause it's kind of irrelevant for long-term planning. It's more of, of here's some of the latest trends in retirement planning, retirement distribution, state planning issue, tax issues. It really covers the gamut there. So you would find this at allworthfinancial.com at the bottom of the homepage at allworthfinancial.com yeah. to sign up for our weekend update. That was called the weekend update. That's We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll take more calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number. Be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Having fun here on the program. You know, it's interesting. This, I think we have more listeners now via podcast than terrestrial radio. And, uh, I mean, years ago, we, had the, we, we still have a hard stop halfway through the show. where we, It's time to get a hard stop. Uh, and the, the shows that are pure podcast, they feel, feel like have a little different flow. So we're trying to we're trying to navigate both worlds here. And, yes, because um, we do both terrestrial and podcast. Yeah. So, um, well, let's talk here. Let's go back to the phones. We're talking with Marianne, Marianna, Marianna. You're with All Worth Money Matters. Yeah. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for joining us. Um, I will be retiring at the end of this year with a PERS pension, and I've been looking at uh, the options I have available, and I'm considering two of the different options. One is a 100% beneficiary, and the other one is a pop-up provision, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get your thoughts on how do you decide which one of those to take? So for the rest of you, uh, PERS is a public employee retirement system. I think you're from the state of California. But there right. are hundreds and hundreds of these across the United Correct. States. And it's the same. Similar benefits. <clears throat> which essentially you go to retire and you're op- you have a pension. Your option is give me just pay for my life only, 100% for me. I die. Too bad for my beneficiaries. By the way, if you take that option, a beneficiary has to sign off on it. Uh, if you're married, I should say your spouse has to sign on it and uh, allow for that. Um, or there's typically a variety of different options. Give me a little bit less if I pass away early, pay half to my spouse. Give me even less if I die early, pay 100% to my spouse. Or an option that Marianne is thinking about, give me less, but if my spouse predeceases me, let me have my pension pop back up to what I was supposed to. So use. the answer to the question is actuarially, they're all the same number. Well, tech, actuarially based on a large uh, pool, non-medically underwritten. So that's okay. Thank you for finishing that, Scott. A hundred percent right. Non-medically underwritten, which means when they offer you the pension, think about it in life insurance and in, in, in I don't know if I can explain this well, but life insurance in reverse, which is in, if you bought life insurance today, they would medically underwrite you to see if you had a shortened life expectancy or a longer life expectancy to determine how much premium they're yeah. going to charge you. And if you're smoking a two packs a day and drinking a fifth and they're going to charge you a lot of money. This is exactly the opposite, which is if you have a shortened life expectancy, right? You want to actually take as much survivor benefit to your spouse as possible. If your survivor has a shortened life expectancy and you have a long life expectancy, then you want to take the longest, biggest payout to you as possible. And from your from your pension, that they they don't go and say, "Hey, Mariana, we need you to take a physical. We need your spouse to take a physical, and then we're going to give you, give you the numbers." They're just basing it on law uh, large averages. 
Right. So the question now well, is: Can I? Um, is is there a way to calculate the payback time if I give you the numbers on? Nope. I could if you could tell me the day you and your spouse were going to die. Well, that's the challenge. I that's mean, the between challenge. the. Um, so so it comes down to comes down to life expectancies that we're just talking about, and also needs. So if if you if you have several million dollars in investments, well, you might say, let's just give me. 100% pension and spouse certainly doesn't need it. If you have no other assets whatsoever, you're like, shoot, I pass away early. My spouse really is, is going to be in dire straits if the, I don't have a pension continuing for them. And what's interesting is you gave us two choices when there's about seven that are offered to you. Right, but I'm not, I, I want my spouse to be covered if, Got it. if I pass away because he, he took the lump sum when he retired. Okay. So we, Okay, so either one of these scenarios is enough money for us to live on without even touching our 401k. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm just not sure, you know, if it's if I should take. Are you are you of similar ages? Uh, He's six years older. Okay. And are, are you both in good health? I would say I'm in a little bit better health. He's got a little bit of an underlying condition, which could turn cancerous someday, but it's been stable for the past 10 years, so and could be stable for the next 10. And what are the price differences? So, what are the price differences? So 100% beneficiary, I would get $96,190 a year. If the pop-up provision, I'd get 94720 a year. But then if he passes away, yeah. it would pop up to $100,570. Yeah. You want option up. two. Yeah, take the pop-up. <laughs> in, in part, and, and it, right when you told me the six the years, eight, the six-year age differential, yeah. that right there gave it away. Yeah, the six years and the underlying health condition, take the pop-up. Okay. That's I mean, from a statistical, from a statistical standpoint, he's going to predecease you. Yeah. First of all, women live longer than men. I mean, I hate to say it, but 90% of the well, time. Well, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure where that there was a, uh, you know, I could calculate a payback time. Like yeah, we can, ca- you can, we can run the numbers. I would... It's going to still tell us the same answer because <laughs> the six-year differential. So your suggestion would take the pop-up. 100%. I would take the pop-up. No question. Wouldn't even. It's, it's, oh, we, okay. In fact, I apologize for wasting all that time <laughs> talking about how they work. You should absolutely take the pop-up. Don't give it another moment's thought. The differential to you is less than $2,000 a year. I could actually run a calculation. We're going to come up to the same answer on the net present. So what yeah, happens yeah. Well, is if we ran it thing. through this. The difference would... is only a little, like you, like you said, it's less than $1,500 a year, but then it pops up to $5,800. That's right. You and, know, and the reason it pops up. Passes away and. Yeah. The reason it pops up that way, Marianne, is because they actually look at uh, that you're going to live a similar lifespan, right? And so that they're only going to pay that extra $6,000 a year for a short period of time. But more so, Scott thinks it's about the six-year difference, which has a role in it. The underlying health condition is the driver for me. Okay. All righty. Well, well, those two factors. That's really it's helpful. both of them. But I mean, there's six years. It's right off the. It's that check the box right off the right off the bat. That's right. That's right. Easy decision. Yeah. Hey, congrats on on retirement. Appreciate the call. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate All right, it. And hope. By the show. way, hope you both live a very long life, and you think about it down the road and think, "Dang it, I shouldn't have done." Listen to those guys. I should have taken the higher amount and not dealt with them. <laughs> Good problem to have. Yeah. Good yeah. problem to have. <laughs> All right, Marianne. Appreciate the call. And you know, the reality is. Um, like, I mean, it's a women need to plan for their financial futures. Ninety percent of the time, the men go before the women, and so, I mean, it this particular retirement time, it's important that that both spouses, if you're married, that a couple does this planning together. A couple, they both understand the and what's going on with the investments. It's funny, my my wife, um, she has a degree in finance. That's where I met her in finance. Back then, there was about. Eight percent of the students were in, of were women, and the rest were men. About the same it is today, by the way, in the finance class. So I met her, but and 
she's quit the workforce when our first kid was born and has stayed home as a as a mother and we still have kids yeah. at home and she has zero interest in our finances zero interest in our portfolio and i literally sit her down a couple times a year to say look we're going to look at this together here's where things are how's that go she's disinterested <laughs> i know but, but you you think it's that important that um you would put her and you through that pain you're a good husband it is that important it is that important I because Look, I don't know what happens tomorrow. I get killed or something. She's got to figure this stuff out. Oh, I know exactly what would happen tomorrow if she'll call you. you. <laughs> call me. Well, she's lucky. All right, most people don't are married to a financial advisor. There. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. But but in saying that, in fact. By the way, my situation's a mess too. You'd have a good time. <laughs> oh, so in saying that, in saying that, uh, I had mentioned earlier in the show how I had talked to some clients yesterday. In talking, who was the trustee of a trust? We decided it shouldn't be any of this client's children. It should be a uh, another relative, um, because both. Are what are you getting at? About who who you should be sharing the financial information. Most families name their their one oldest of their kid. children. Normally, yeah. their oldest kid is the trust of the tr a trustee of the trust, and not that my often time would be spent. <laughs> <laughs> right, oftentimes that's not the right decision. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, my my yeah, it would be gone quickly. <laughs> They're all different, aren't they? <laughs> She'd be enjoying life. Woo. <laughs> it's you, funny watching people. Don't you wish you had a little bit more of that in you, though? Uh, a little bit more carefree, don't you? Well, I guess you can't really wish away who you are. No, that's one of the things I've actually tried to get as I get older. It's resolved that this is just me and parts of me aren't going to change. That's right. All right, let's go back to the calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number. We're talking with Diana. Diana, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Great. How are you? Hi, Diana. How can okay. we help? Well, my question is, what is the Monte Carlo method of determining determining asset allocation for retired people. I've gotten two radically different allocations from two investment management companies I introduced. Mm -hmm. The first had me fill out a questionnaire about sources and uses of funds and determined that a split of 30% fixed income, 70% equities was appropriate. The second firm asked fewer questions and plugged me into a 70% fixed income, 30% equities scenario. Based on the assets in the account, both charge a 1% annual management fee. Mm -hmm. um, a year ago, I went with the first firm, which moved me out of several successful stock positions into um, EFTs which was fine, and based on what they did, they decided that I now had a 95% chance of not outliving my funds. Mm -hmm. That's nice. I was fine. Then the person who did this went to another company, um, and I didn't like the person they assigned me to. Okay. Um, how... It, so you know how just 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 how accurate how much trust should I put into I, 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 first of all, Monte Carlo? I I apologize for the experience you've had in our industry, and it sounds like it sounds like these have been driven primarily from just plain investment management, and not so much on financial planning. The first people were more financial planning. Um, the, the ones second, that had a higher allocation towards equities, which over the long period of time should yield you a much higher result. Exactly. And did they both call it Monte Carlo? They both called it Monte Carlo. Okay. So it's, you know, when you think about Monte Carlo, it's the underlying... The whole name sounds weird. It, it sounds like you're just like spinning a wheel, right? Yeah. Yep. 
uh, oftentimes it has to do with their underlying assumptions of what they actually think long-term interest rates are. There's a number. I'm of not a big fan of Monte Carlo simulations, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason the reason is uh, sometimes they'll show that somebody can't retire when they probably can. They might show that someone needs to take on more risk in their in their portfolio. But the the, the real factor is what what I've discovered, Diana, is over the years, people's their their spending does not live in a vacuum. So when there's when when the financial worlds are are struggling, even if you think back to the financial crisis, what I found is people that have lots of cash felt foolish about going out and spending it on things. If you look at travel, vacation travel for re, or travel for retirees, where things were way down. It's just when things are are not going well, people just tend not to spend as much. So they're the the income needed from portfolios isn't necessarily static and grows by inflation every year. It depends on a lot of other underlying factors. Um, I think it sounds like, so the, the, the challenge you've got now, you liked the guy you were with before. Is that right? Number, option one, has you been with a year? Yes, I did. And I actually found this person at her new place of business. Unfortunately, it's a much smaller place and... The sense I had was that she was really good at plugging numbers into her computer program, but the underlying investment expertise, you know. Yeah, who actually made those there. decisions? Who actually made those decisions? It wasn't her. It sounded like there was only one person. It wasn't her. And I mean, I understand the difference between a portfolio manager and uh, an analyst. And the firm you were um, with that she was with, that was that a larger firm then? Was quite a bit larger, and, but they put me with some guy who didn't, who really hadn't done his homework before he talked to me. And can you see about being interviewing a couple other advisors of that firm? It's the same firm, or did you move the money already? Oh, the money, the money. I moved the money already. Okay, and so now your portfolio I'm, I'm out of there. And now Got your it. portfolio is thirty percent. Um, equities and 70% fixed. Is that right? Um, well, as I was really looking at it, there's about not quite still. Um, there were, there are a lot of, of long-term gains there. So Got they it. moved. Yeah. So, so they kept a lot of your positions there. They kept, yeah. Good about, for them. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I had a little bit to do with this. Okay. But about 60% of it is in corporate stocks. About 35 38% is on in EFTs. And the rest is in bonds or short-term uh, money funds. Okay. And, and how much money are you taking in income off of this on an annual basis? Um, probably about... About a seven percent payout, maybe eight percent. Is that, all of a sudden I have to replace the uh, roof? That kind okay. of pain. Okay, and you know, and how old are you? Sixty-six. And did you start at a seven or eight percent distribution? Um. Well, when I do it myself, I just sell things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, understand. You know, pieces of this and that. And, and yeah, pretty much. You're 66 years. Are, are you married? No. Are you on Social Security? Not quite yet. Okay. And um, do you own your home? Yes. And no is mortgage. it paid for? And how yes. much of this money? And and what's the account balance approximately? Um, about 1.1 million. And is it all IRA or some of it out of IRA? None of it is IRA. None of it's, it's IRA. Did you no. inherit this money? It's, it's, it's in a trust, a generation skipping trust okay. that my father set up. Okay. So here's what you need to do. You need to, you need to lower your distribution immediately and start Social Security. Yeah, that's, that's, that's on my list. No, I, 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 there's no list. Mm-hmm. It's not no, a list. I, I know. I mean, I know. You, your distributions, I don't care if you're 80% equities. Right, your distributions mm -hmm. at eight percent are too high it's, in this in mm -hmm. this market with interest rates at zero. It, it it's if you've gotten there over time, 
because of the allocation and haven't addressed that, um, you, you need to address it now. But there's, there's no – so what happens is someone should have just said to you, look, uh, Diana, you need, to, you need to lower your distributions. You need to set them up on a monthly basis. We need to actually put together a budget. You need to start Social Security. Well, the reality is – with with Social Security coming in, you wouldn't need to have to take as much, and then you could probably af- then you could afford to have higher allocation towards equities. That's right. That that that, that uh, right? exactly. That's and, why you need to start Social Security immediately, is so you could lower these monthly distributions. Mm-hmm. You, you're t- you're and the idea of you're just going to sell something when you need money—that's not a plan. That's a reaction. No, no. I mean, there are things that you know. I have. I have too large a concentration in healthcare, for example, oh, oh, or too large a concentration in yep. one stock or yep. another. It's 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 not just oh gee, let's sell something. No, in my humble opinion, you're approaching it from the wrong direction. Okay, you need to actually figure out how much income you need to live on, and it can't be eight percent. You need mm-hmm. to start Social Security. Oh, there is a TIAA CREP account too. I How big is that? Uh, about two hundred thousand. Okay, it helps. And are you taking money from the TIAA? Did IAA? you not have these conversations with the advisor? You should be taking money from the TIAA CREP account. Before- yes, yes, I I am. That's I'm taking like I think twenty thousand a okay. year from that. Okay, yeah, wow, ten percent of. Well, if, but a- then for tax purposes, if, it seems a little high, though. You, you need to mm-hmm. you go shopping for an advisor. You're not. It sounds mm-hmm. like the, you like the old person. She went to a tiny shop. You're not confident in the shop. Didn't like the person. The old, it. It. I mean, look. What, you shouldn't be having to call a couple guys who run a, <laughs> a show on finances to get answers. I mean, you should be able to have a, a, a relationship with someone where you got the confidence that they tell. First of all, they. A good financial advisor is going to have these hard conversations with you, like, like don't like, take that much money. I know out. you're thinking about it, but you have to do this now. Like, uh, I mean, frankly, there are times when we say, "Look, if you want to join our, you want to be a client, this is how." Like, if you, you're going to have to follow our advice in some places, otherwise, it's not going to work out for any of us, right? So, I think it's kind of your point anyway, there. But. You need to start Social Security immediately and lower that monthly distribution. Then land on a portfolio that actually forget about the individual equities. Just land on a portfolio of ETFs, mutual funds. That's going to actually weather the test of time. You probably if want you're to overweighted. Your distri- if you're overweighted in any sector, I would reduce it and, to. And uh, there's you more want to get your distribution at age sixty six down to less. She than might 5%. want to t- not take any money of the TIA CREF this year. Incur uh, it, it triggers some capital gains by by selling off some uh, positions that are too large in a portfolio. Re- start the distributions again next year. But or why wouldn't you? Yes. There you go. Because you can some you can have there's no capital gain taxes for a on period your, of time. So I mean, a lo, there's a lot of tax planning that needs to go into this. Um, yeah, the, the Monte Carlo. That's just some tool that some advisors use. That I don't even know why you need to know. It's <laughs> anyway. All right, let's continue. I appreciate the call. We wish you well. Uh, let's talk with uh, Jay. Jay, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey guys, how are you? Good. How you doing, Jay? Good. I have questions about uh, some 529s I have open for my kids. All right. Good for you. Okay. So I have two sons, uh, age five and nine, and uh, we opened 529 accounts for both of them when they were born. Right now, combined, there's $83,000 in there. So I'm trying to figure out, should I stop automatic investments and just let interest compound, um, or should I keep going with automatic investments? Um so here's what here's what I did with my children, Jake. Um, I've got four kids; two are through college. Uh, the ones through college, I, I just maybe ten, they're probably around the same age. I I ran through the calc well, I ran through the calculations when they're born, but then I went through the calculations and decided this is how much. Um, I said if they were starting college, how much would I assume that's going to cost, right in the future? So nine years, let's say I have nine years left for the nine year old. Then I said, how yeah. much is there today? And I just worked backwards, like, okay, how much, what's the net present value of that today? How much should I have today? What's an assumed rate of return? Right. And then it told me exactly how much I should have for Jessica, exactly how much I should have for Blake. And frankly, when they got to college, it was it, it was almost perfect. What I didn't calculate is the 
added expense of flying back and forth to Boston to see my kid and then have and then my wife liking to go shopping in Boston when well, we were there seeing him and going which, so that that part I didn't factor into the cost of college. But, but the five twenty nine plan won't pay for shopping. We know that. Yeah. And I don't mean to just throw my wife under the bus in there because um she's not like a big shopper type person. But anyway, that's just what my reality was when my son was in Boston. Uh so it's it's really a it's it's a pretty simple calculation that uh either you find a calculator online to do or f- but at five and nine, you should continue to fund. Work these. with a financial advisor. I, you can you can do the calculation. You're going to continue yeah. to fund these at, at eighty three thousand dollars, and for a five and nine year yeah, old, yeah, one's nine years off. Yeah, you're going to continue to fund these. And okay. remember, remember, you can actually change the beneficiary of them at any time to someone else. Yeah. You can take them to a grandkid. You can keep it in the name. They're kind of funky as how much flexibility they actually allow you to have with um, the names. There's some strange yeah, restrictions. You can only change a beneficiary once a year, yeah. allocations once a year. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Things along those. I, I, I mean, you can, run, you, can get, you can run the numbers or have someone run the numbers for you. It's a pretty simple calculation. It'll tell you exactly. But to Bat's point, like, it would still tell us how much you're putting in. Right now, I'm putting three hundred dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, you combined. got. You got to buy. Yeah, I'd keep going. Call us in back. You could do the calculation, or you could call us back in five years. And yeah, I wouldn't the same stop. Question. Okay, great. I Thank mean, you in, unless you're having some tremendous sacrifices elsewhere in your life, and you can't afford other things. No, I was just thinking about should I be putting into like more money into my four hundred one k or opening a brokerage account with what, that money. What percentage are you putting uh, into your four hundred one k? Right now, I'm, I'm putting six percent in. It's getting the full company match. Um, I, I have a decent amount already. I just switched careers and um, yeah, took just a little bit of a pay cut, so I started a little bit lower. But keep funding it. But uh, keep yeah. funding it, okay. and as your pay goes up, increase your four hundred one k contributions. Great, thank yeah. you guys. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Hey, we're almost out of time. We have set aside uh, a couple hours to do answer some phone calls. On um, where'd my little sheet go? On May 26th from uh, 3.30 to 5.30, and you could call 833-999-6784. Yeah, again, that's May 26th, 3.30 to 5.30. We will be in the studio answering calls. May 26th, 3.30 to 5.30 Pacific time, 3.30 to 5.30 Pacific time, May 26th. Um, questions that money matters uh, to get more information, then you'll see it on our website. We're out of time. It's been great being with you. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.